Good Sunday morning, everyone, on this June the 25th, 2023. Welcome to Spiritual Talk number seven with lifeinvestigated.com on the podcast and, of course, on the video cast that you can see on StreamYard or on uh, Rumble. On Rumble, I think you can find the channel as All Things Pertinent. Also, look for Patriot Trainer if you can't find it on Rumble there. You can find the audio podcast on lifeinvestigated.com. So, welcome. Would like to say happy birthday to my youngest daughter today and to my oldest granddaughter today. So, we have two celebrations today, which means we are a blessed family. I appreciate being a father and a grandfather uh, probably haven't done a lot of accomplishments in my life but uh, having children and grandchildren is certainly one of those that I very much appreciate that God has allowed me to be uh, in this life as I walk through it as many of you have heard me say before that um, one of the most pressing teachings or messages or talks that's always on my heart and mind to do is the return of the Lord. Many of you have heard me say this before, but many years ago when I was still actively pastoring a church, I'd felt my teachings had gotten stale, even though they were out of the Bible, so they couldn't have been stale. But to me, I just wasn't meeting the mark of what I was supposed to be doing. And with that come a a level of discontent or discord. So as I sought out God's advice on this feeling that I I was uh, experiencing and what was troubling me, I said, uh, you know, God, I don't feel like I'm being pertinent. I am, I am teaching your word, but it seems like I'm just missing the mark of what you really have for me to tell people. And after some time of petition, God just simply spoke this to my, to my spirit. All you have to do is tell my people I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And at times I do a very good job of that, and at times I don't do such a good job of that. Of course, I have other things that that Holy Spirit does lead me and anoint me to speak on and to teach about. But I guess there's nothing more important than that we need to have an understanding here in 2023 that Jesus Christ will come back to this earth. He's been here before. I suspect he's been here many times, but he's been here before manifested as the God-man. He stayed around with us on this earth for about 33 and a half years or so, according to what it seems to be we can discern from the scripture. But he came as a sheep. He came as a sacrificial lamb. He came to give the ultimate love offering. When he comes back, he's coming back as judge, though. 
And I think that's where we're ear prepared, ill prepared in this world. And, and I think we are definitely ill prepared in America for the return of the judge. Uh, we'll read you a scripture here this morning. It's found in the book of Acts chapter one. <clears throat> Verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. <coughs> So the, the, the backstage to this is, uh, or the backstory to this is, if we had read the previous scriptures, of course, at this point in time, Jesus has been, has been falsely tried, falsely convicted, falsely executed. He was buried into a tomb. He stayed in the tomb three days. And while in that tomb, he several things were going on in the spirit realm that uh, in, in order not to get an extremely long message today, I'm just trying to summarize some things here. <clears throat> but on the third day of that entombment, The Holy Spirit of God raised Jesus back to life. He resurrected him. Jesus got up, walked out of the grave. A couple of events transpired there on the first morning, and then he met up with his inner circle, his people, his disciples, his crew. And for 40 days, he walked and talked and ate and slept, taught many more classes, met more people. And then it come time for him. His mission was completed in that form. His mission was completed. The blood sacrifice was completed. The love sacrifice was completed. It was all done. No point in him hanging around here as a man anymore. At that point in time, so he goes back to where? He goes back home. He goes to his rightful abode on the throne because he is king. He is king of all kings. So he goes to his rightful uh, position and he assumes it back. And he's got a duty there that he's doing for us, each one of us right now. As he is back on the throne, the Bible very much records that he is our high priest, that he is our go-between to the Heavenly Father, and that he makes petition for us to our Heavenly Father. So Jesus is very active, okay? Pretty sure he doesn't get Myrtle Beach vacations like we all like in this region, or Florida vacations, or wherever we want to go. Me, I want to go 
I want to do a cross-country trip. I want to go up into Montana and Wyoming and see the Grand Canyon. I've never done that. That's on my bucket list. So, hey, if you got some, if you can't find anything else to pray about, pray that God will provide a way for OKD English to do his road trip. It's on his bucket list. But anyway, these two angels, these two men in white, which were angels, they just appeared. That just kind of proves to you angels can't appear and angels can appear to men, by the way. No, no, the, the men were standing looking up at Jesus ascending supernaturally. Jesus stand here in bodily form. And he said, okay, I'm done. Gone. And he's ascending up and they're standing there gazing up there. But what did he tell him? What did he tell him just previously to this supernatural event? It wasn't supernatural to Jesus. It was just his nature. It's his nature. He is supernatural. It's just supernatural to the rest of us. It's amazing to the rest of us, not him. But what did he tell him? Well, we have to look back in verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. And then he was taken up. He was raptured back up into heaven he was taken up according to verse 9 so these angels appeared they, nobody saw them coming down from heaven they just they just appeared and they start talking to these people like exactly what are you guys doing I, I imagine I imagine now it's not in the Bible but I, I imagine that some of these uh, folks that were watching Jesus leave them again because they even though he prophesied and told them what was going to happen about his death, they still didn't get it before the, before his death. And then they were all extremely uh, scared and upset when, when he, they did see him take his last breath in this physical body on the cross. They were very distressed. And they didn't know what to do, and they just kind of scattered. His disciples did, his people, every which way. But then, even though he told them he would resurrect, I guess they still didn't quite get that message either because they were in just shock and awe when, when Mary uh, Magdalene came and told them, hey, uh, he's alive, by the way. He ain't in the grave, and I just talked to him. And he said, he gave me instructions. Uh, so they had a hard time comprehending that, but then he gets around, he, he has to prove to them who he is. Um, uh, he hangs around with them 40 days. But now here they get, here again. So they got used to him being there. I mean, the presence of Jesus is comforting. Even though you and I have not seen him in the ways the, the disciples seen him, we see him in our spirit and we see him in our heart. And, uh, the presence of Jesus, when, when the, the manifested presence of Jesus, when we are really close to him, it gives us a peace. It gives us a peace that passes our understanding, that surpasses our understanding of why we even have that peace. So I imagine these, these disciples, I imagine as they saw Jesus, they were watching him go up into the clouds of the air. I'm, I'm, I imagine there was some tears and some disappointment in a way i mean they knew that i think by now they had got the 
got the message and the goal of Jesus and what needed to be accomplished. But I, I guess they, uh, you know, probably shed a few tears. Probably was a little disheartened again. But he told them, though, if we can ever understand the, the true meaning of the words that Jesus said, he gave them comfort. In verse 8, he said, it's okay. You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. He said, because he'd already promised them that he had to go away so he could send another that's like him, but that could do a, a special dispensation of power to each one of them that at least would accept this endowment of power. <clears throat> and they would be better off actually with the Holy Spirit's power, which is the power of Jesus, the power of the Godhead, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that they'd be much better off and be better equipped for their mission. See, all Christians have a mission, and that is to uh, be a witness unto me in all the world. Not everybody's going to teach. Not everybody's going to preach. Not everybody's going to evangelize. Not everybody's going to be a prophet. Not everybody's going to be an apostle. But the simple, the simple instruction is, is just, you know, be a witness. Now, so he left. But what did the angels tell them? <laughs> Which they already had been told by Jesus, but apparently it needed to be reemphasized again. So I guess I kind of get why if 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 God had to send angels to, to reemphasize the fact that Jesus would return to his very inner circle, then I guess it shouldn't surprise me that I have to teach and, and talk about the return of Christ continually to keep those of us that are watching for him anyway reminded that he is actually coming again. He said in like manner. So in other words, what these angels told these disciples that day was at this, he said in, in like manner. So what they told him was, in this very spot in Israel, on the designated day that the Father, the Heavenly Father has designed, the Son will come back to this very spot to complete the second part of the mission. First part of the mission was the sacrificial lamb. Now the second part of the mission is he's, he's coming back as judge and conquering king. So this, I mean, this doesn't really have anything to do with the United States of America. I know many of us have a patriotic sense of duty, but Jesus is not coming back to America. He's, he's going, he didn't leave from America. He's coming back to Israel. Now he's still, he's going, I mean, it's going, it's going to encapsulate all of us. Don't get me wrong. But he's going, he's going to do exactly what these angels said he's going to do. He's going to come back exactly in the same way. He's going to come out of the clouds of the air. And he's going to come right back to that spot in Israel with a specific mission. And at that specific mission, at that time, it will be the end of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period 
<clears throat> that he will wage the final uh, battle there of Armageddon against Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And upon conquering them, along with the saints that he brings from heaven, uh, he will set up the millennial reign of Christ, as we call it. His actual governmental seat will be in the city, the New Jerusalem, in Israel. But you and I, the believers who truly believe and trust God and are waiting and watching for him, we will have already been gone. So there's many people, many preachers that teach today still against the rapture of the church that say the word rapture. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a study on this soon. The word, we, we can't prove raptures in the Bible. Matter of fact, we just we we just actually proved it here in verse nine. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. Uh, it, it's what's going to happen to to Christ believing people before this time of tribulation starts. In the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, according to the word of God, we shall all be changed. And we will go forth to meet him in the clouds of the air. Now, that's not, that's not the return. That's not the return of Christ. The return of Christ is at the end of the tribulation period. We can find it in the book of Revelation chapter 19. When he comes back riding his white horse, his name will be known to all men true and faithful, and it says the armies of heaven, which appears to be those who have been saved and residing in heaven, and we'll come back with him as his army, which makes sense, because the Bible tells us that we are his army now. Even in this natural realm, we are his army. We are the hands and the feet of Christ, and we are the warriors for Christ. We, I mean, we, I just taught an extensive lesson on spiritual warfare uh, a couple of days ago. It's, it's titled, Evil Is, Evil Does. You can find it on uh, StreamYard. You can find it on my Rumble channel. You can find it on, uh, well, I hope I've uploaded it to lifeinvestigated.com. I will check that after this service, and I will uh, be sure to, posted up on lifeinvestigated.com podcast if I haven't. And if you watch it through video, it has a PowerPoint presentation attached with it. It's about an hour long. It is a longer teaching because it's actually a teaching. <clears throat> but for those of us that are, we, we are his warriors. So it makes sense that we would be part of the army coming back with him. And plus there's other scriptures in the Bible that tell us that we, the ones who have believed and, and went on and, and either uh, have passed on before or the rapture or went in the rapture, <clears throat> we're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to have specific leadership duties during the millennial reign. Now, that millennial reign will be a theocracy. It's not going to be the Democratic Republic of Christ. It's going to be a theocracy. The Bible says he'll rule with a, a rod of iron. So he, he's, he's, but since he's love, 
and says he's righteous and holy, it will all be across the board the way that it's supposed to be. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when he comes back, that means when he comes back to this point in Revelation 19 on this white horse, that means the tribulation period is, is coming to a close. But what that means is judgment has been executed on this world, not just America, on this world. And it's been a time the Bible describes as no man has ever seen before. And it's going to be such a time that men will run to the hills and they will they will just beg. They will be begging to die. It will be so painful and so miserable. <clears throat> and there will have been millions in this seven-year period. There will have millions and millions of people died. Excruciating deaths through poison, pestilence, disease, war. You know, we talk about countries invading this China, Russia, different Iran, Iraq. I mean, and all of those are going to be a part of it. But there's going to be war, and I mean, there's going to be blood flowing. That's, uh, I mean, just from the dead carcasses uh, of people, that uh, soldiers that have fought, and and innocent. Well, typically, I don't know if I can call them innocent people or not, because if you're left behind in the tribulation, I don't know how innocent you are, because you weren't believing in Jesus Christ. And you weren't living any kind of life that even reflected him. His grace, now his grace goes a long ways, folks. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But there are some requirements. And one requirement is you, you have to believe and you have to be ready. You have to have yourself prepared waiting on the tribulation. If I mean, waiting on the rapture if you're going to escape this tribulation and some say well you you have an escapism theology you better believe i do i don't like pain i don't like suffering i don't like seeing my children suffer and my grandchildren suffer just from the typical sin in this world you think i want to be here during a time of judgment and see not and suffer it not myself, but have to potentially witness that for my loved ones. No, I don't. I've had holier than thou people in the churches tell me, "Well, that's okay. If I'm if it, if there is no rapture and I'm left behind, I'm not going to take that mark of the beast." As the Bible records that during this time, you'll take the mark of the beast which we reference it as and the bible does is the numeral 666 where you can buy sell trade do anything and in order to do that if you're a christian you have to renounce your christ and accept uh the antichrist as god which is blasphemy and and there is no redemption from that and i've had some some very self-righteous christians tell me oh i don't care what they do to me they can torture me they can kill me. All they're going to do is kill me anyway. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, but here's the problem. That's not the way the devil works. If you and your family's left behind and you're suffering this tribulation period, even if your faith is strong and you're determined just to go ahead and let them kill you, you're not going to renounce Christ nor take the mark of the beast. They're not, they're not going to kill you first. They're going to bring your wife, or uh, if you're married, or husband, either, either way. Then they're going to bring your children and stand in front of you. Then your grandchildren. And they're going to start to slaughter them. And to, Well, actually, they're not going to make it a slaughter. They're going to make it a very painful, excruciating death that you have to watch your children your spouse or those closest to you suffer maybe potentially for days on end while they're telling you take the mark of the beast except except this antichrist whoever he is as your god or else we're just going to keep torturing them till they're dead well mr pious christian let me tell you Number one, you're not really a Christian if you're going through this anyway. You you weren't you were not in right relationship with Jesus Christ if you are suffering this. Number two, you're gonna bow. You're gonna bow. I met a lot of people that call themselves Christians over the years, and I haven't seen one yet. I don't know any of you that would suffer that. I can tell you, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I would just have, if it would save my family, I would just have to go on to eternal damnation as much as I, I, I and I think I have a clue because I've, I've actually had a vision of hell. All these other people say, tell me about all these visions of heaven they have. God didn't let me see a vision of heaven. He let me see a vision of hell and it was not pretty. And that's been 32 years ago, and I still remember it as if it is happening now. You don't want to be there. And for you folks that think you're going to have a sexual orgy and a, and a homosexual and lesbian and transgender party down there, honey, you, you're, you're going to be in total, total damnation and misery. For you good old boys that think you can go out here to the happy hoedown and do anything you want to every day and every week, cheat as many people as you want to, lie to many, as many people as you want to, sleep with as many people, that's just a random thing. I, I know we all have issues with the flesh, don't get me wrong, but when you think that it's just, oh, well, I'll go on hell, it'll just be a big party down there. It ain't no party, I can promise you that. So he said, I'm coming back. Bottom line. I think the Bible is very clear on a rapture, or catching up, or the taking away, or taking up, as we see even here in verse 9. And I'm watching and I'm waiting for that. I'm, I'm waiting to hear the trumpet. And that can happen. At any time God chooses, I suppose. I mean, all the prophetic laws have been fulfilled that the Bible taught would come to pass before Christ would return. 
before these supernatural events would begin to happen in such manner. So I guess it could happen today, tomorrow, next day. It's kind of, in one way, it's irrelevant when the rapture of the Christians, of the church body, it's often referred to the rapture of the church. It's, it's, it's a rapture. It is a rapture of believers who trust in Jesus Christ to be their king and their savior and who are trusting in him to call them up to heaven, to call them to the clouds of the air to meet with him and reside with him for the next seven years before the tribulation, while the tribulation is going on with the expectation we'll be coming back with him at the end. And during those seven years, I believe we are in, in we, that the ones that, the, the raptured saints, I believe are in intense preparation for, to serve <clears throat> in the army coming back to uh, control through the theocracy uh, the kingdom of God to control the earth or to manage the earth or however you want to see it, say it. But that's coming. And although I have for 30, 32 years now, I have asserted that Jesus Christ will return and that it's soon. I can honestly say I've never had the urgency in my spirit that I have now. That may not mean anything to you, but it does mean something to me. I've never ever before had this same kind of urgency that I have now to get the message out. I am an imperfect being trying to speak for a perfect God. I am an imperfect being trying to speak for a perfect God. And I don't always do that very well. But if you're ever going to listen or you're ever going to share a message of mine, a teaching, a message, or just this a talk like this, this is the one to share. It does in its presentation. This talk is not dynamic. There's no frills and spills going on. There's no fog machines, and there's no professional rock groups playing a praise and worship song. There's nothing pretty about me to look at nor is my speech even eloquent at, in, at any level. But what I'm telling you is sincere, and it's backed up entirely by Scripture. I am not making this uh, up like some accuse me of making up fairy tales about the rapture and the return of Christ. Christ is coming. For all practical purposes, my friends, he is on his way. Then some of you will say, well, you people have been preaching it for 2,000 years now. Exactly. 
human beings are so stiff-necked and obstinate about God that he has to be long-suffering. He said that one of his qualities of God is long-suffering. <clears throat> he essentially has to be long-suffering to keep trying to convince as many people as he can that he loves them and he wants them to be with him, that he wants them to have good and perfect things, and he wants them to be blessed. It's taken millions of preachers, I suppose, since Christ ascended back here in the book of Acts, or witnesses anyway. I don't know how many preachers there's been, but there's been millions of witnesses telling people about Christ, his love, his sacrifice, but the necessity to believe in him and to wait on his return, that he's coming back. I had a man after a church service one time tell me, well, preacher, I'm going home from church, going to my garage and work on my trucks, and I'm going to drink me a cold beer. He said, I guess I'm going to hell, ain't I? My response shocked him. I said, my friend, you're not going to hell because you're going home and working your garage. You're not going to hell because you're going to go drink a cold beer. You're going to hell because of your unbelief. He didn't have a response to that because he and I both knew he didn't believe. He just walked away. So what you have to do is believe, my friends, and you have to be prepared, watching and waiting, listening for that signal, the trumpet call of God. God always announced with a trumpet. Just read your old covenant. The ram's horn has numerous announcements. If you were if you were Hebrew, you knew the code for them. You knew what each one of them meant. Exactly how the the trumpet call of God will sound for the rapture, I'm not entirely sure. <clears throat> it will be a code that only believers hear, but we're just going to spiritually understand it. We will. So I ask you again today, will you believe with me? Will you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Lord Lord and Savior. And he is the one that has not only paid the price to redeem you out of sin, but he's also the one that is entitled to lead you and to guide you. That's what Lordship is. You have to submit to both, my friends. It's the problem with some of you. You'll submit to the greasy grace. Oh, you'll, oh yeah, God loves me. I'm saved but you won't submit to his lordship. My personal opinion is if you haven't submitted and believed in his lordship, you too will miss the rapture. He's coming. Patriot Trainer at ProtonMail.com Patriot Trainer at ProtonMail.com 
lifeinvestigated.com. You can reach me. We can do further teachings. You can spe you can request specific teachings if you like. If I have any knowledge whatsoever on them, I'll be glad to offer those teachings. If you have a group, a home group, a study group, or even your church, if you would like for me to come present a teaching, I probably will. I can't say that just carte blanche, but I would have to discern it out, make sure the motives are right, and that's actually what God wants me to do. <clears throat> but certainly I appreciate communication with you. Till next time, this is the Patriot Trainer, KD English. I will see you again.